0: You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT
1: Smartcast. This is part two of my conversation with Ritu Menon on her new book, "Address Book: A Publishing Memoir in the Time of COVID." I thought now it would be people, you know, who, who write, um, who believe in certain things, would go to a
0: feminist press first. You know? Not necessarily, not necessarily at all. Um, if you're a if you're a fiction writer, you will go to a trade press. You will go to a large uh, publishing house with a, a, a very sort of strong profile because you think that you'll get better attention there. Uh, whether mm-hmm. you do or not is another matter, but you, mm-hmm. said you would would choose that, and that would be your first option. And if that was mm-hmm. not a successful option, then maybe you would think of other uh, possibilities. If you're an academic writer today worldwide, why is there mm-hmm. such a decline in feminist presses? Their very success. I've mm-hmm. always been saying this. Their very success has led to their decline because now what is a bankable item, mm-hmm. what used to be a risky proposition, is now a bankable item, and mm-hmm. now it's in the mainstream. The... Mm-hmm the mainstream presses uh, are uh, are perfectly willing to do it whereas earlier uh, they hesitated oh. no they don't so mm. it's that that's what that's why as i say in those early days uh, after all we had published not Susie Taru alone but that that collective we had mm. published their oral history of women in the telangana movement mm. Uh, and so we hoped that, you know, when this amazing... And by the way, women writing in India was commissioned by a feminist press. Mm-hmm. It was commissioned by the feminist press in New York.
2: Okay, okay. It was
0: not something that uh, that was, uh, you know, initiated by... Yes, yes, yes. You mentioned that whole thing, how the yeah. idea got out of um, yes. your hands. Yeah. So obviously, you know, when that happens, then you hope that it will... Uh, it will continue with, you know, uh, reinforcing that initiative. Mm. Yeah. And when it didn't happen, of course, it was disappointing, but, you know, people are free to go where they want. It's, it's, yes. There is no compulsion. Mm-hmm. But as I say, it, it's, uh, what, what encouraged us and what helped us enormously in the beginning was the kind of support and solidarity we got from others.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: It was precisely that, uh, you know, spirit of hmm. being engaged in it together,
2: hmm.
0: that was what was so uh, so remarkable and so surprising. Hmm. Okay, now you
1: speak about the crisis in the book trade that predates COVID. You know, talk about that. About you know when you talk about volumes and too many books and too little shelf space and how the American model has been imported here and you know and how it's not mm-hmm. it's it's not maybe conducive or it's not suitable for like you know small independent presses and how that's difficult talk about that uh,
0: you know the thing is that uh, so many things are are, uh, are um, involved in this um and mm. of course it is uh, you must understand that the the model is the high volume uh, model that is yes. you have to produce X number of books have a particular quantity in order to to be able to uh in order to be able to support the books in your program that that sell very few copies.
2: Hmm. Okay. Hmm.
0: It's it's not as though um it's not as though every book that everyone publishes makes money. Yes. It never has been. Never no mm. nowhere in the world is this the case that mm. every book you publish makes money. No. Some yes. books, and if you're lucky, half your list will carry the other half. The mm. other half that may not be commercially as, uh, as uh, profitable, mm. but is very important for other reasons, either literary yeah. or political or historical or whatever, mm. need mm. to be out there. But are yeah. much slower, much steadier, will take much longer. Now, the American model was this, that you, you produce a huge volume, hmm. uh, you flood the market,
2: hmm.
0: you remainder the books, if they don't sell within six months, you have a deal with bookstores that they take hmm. them off their Windows displays in hmm. order to make space for the next lot.
2: Hmm.
0: And you build, that is, you know, it's, it's almost like planned obsolescence. It's like yes. you know, changing a car model every year, changing... Everything mm. so you, mm. you the books books became a product like any other product yes you had to have uh, you had to have something new every few months in order to keep so-called your buyer your consumer uh, mm. engaged mm. now the thing is you can do that if you are of a particular size if you do a hundred mm. a year if you do Uh, 50 70 80 200 300 books a year you can do that Hmm. but if you do only 20 or 30 books a year if you're very selective or if you have a particular profile or if you only do a particular kind of book you you there's no way you can do those volumes there's no Hmm. way now what happens when the entire market is saturated with these thousands of books you know india is the third largest or maybe now the second largest producer of English language books in the world. Hmm. In the world. But how many bookstores do we have across the country? Less than 3,000. Across the country.
2: Hmm.
0: Less than 3,000. So where's the shelf space for all these books? So obviously the books that get visibility are the ones where, you know, the the publishers have a strong uh, market presence can lay down mm-hmm. the terms, can offer the kinds of discounts that we can't or that smaller publishers or independent publishers can't. And so mm-hmm. clearly that, uh, you know, that affects the visibility of our authors, obviously. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Then you get something like online, Amazon, you get something like that, which is whose algorithms are based only on volume. Only. Yeah. Yes. If you don't have volume, Amazon doesn't work for you. Now, it's very Mm -hmm. difficult to persuade authors of this. It's very difficult to explain to them when they say, why isn't my Mm -hmm. book on Amazon? Well, it isn't on Amazon for some very good reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of which is that, you know, Amazon will not bother about your book if it doesn't sell in particular volumes. Mm -hmm. And then the kinds of of trade terms that they offer um, Mm -hmm. are um, prohibitive, you get only a fraction mm-hmm. of what uh, your book is priced at back. Mm-hmm. So it's uneconomic. Mm-hmm. It's uneconomic unless you sell in the tens of thousands. Yeah. See, it's only the volume that allows you then to, to, to trade in that way. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean when I say that, you know, after all, this makes for not, uh, uh, not a very, uh, of course, not a level playing field, but it's not mm. only the environment either. No, it's not. You know, because you you need diversity. You yeah. need there to be different kinds of material available. You don't want only one kind of food. You don't yes. want only one kind of of sport. You don't mm. want only cricket. Yes. You see, you have to be able to provide that. You know, it's like handloom and handcraft. You don't want only mill-made yeah. fabric yeah so that's what i'm saying that you know there has to be a space where all this is possible
2: mm.
0: and as i say when it comes to it's not just chef space it's reviewing space yes it's, uh, visibility mm. um, it's all kinds of of other you know uh, forms of of uh, promotion mm. everything ties in yes And the tying in is what, you know, uh, is is what makes for that, uh, a a, a word which is used very often now, ecosystem. Hmm. Hmm. You know, the the book ecosystem must have what what we call bibliodiversity, not just biodiversity. Hmm. Something that, you know, that has something that... um, Lots of people can uh, can benefit from, or enjoy, or take pleasure from.
1: Hmm. hmm. Okay. So the, you know what? So then I mean, like in such an environment, like the fate of independent publishers. You know, I mean, clearly that that's playing on your mind while you're writing this writing this book, right?
0: It's uh, it's something that is playing on all independents' mind, Manjula, not just hmm. here, uh, yes. everywhere in the world. Hmm. Um, and you know when I mention or when I write about that international alliance of independent publishers that is Hmm. a concern that we share we Hmm. all share so it's Hmm. true it's it's much truer as I say in the English language publishing environment than it is in other language areas Hmm. it's not so acute let's say in Europe where a lot yes. of the publishing is still independent, not corporatized yet. Mm, mm. It's not true in Latin America. It's not true in the uh, Arab-speaking regions. Mm. It is much truer for the for English-language publishing because of the way it is. It is now um, the way it now functions, which is mm. it, it's it's mergers almost every week. Why? Why is yeah. that happening? Hmm. I mean you know we we know this we it's it's in the news it's public information there's no there are no uh, secrets here
2: hmm.
0: the mergers are happening more and more and they're all forming large conglomerates yeah so what does that mean hmm. what is the implication of that it means that the independents lose some of their autonomy that's very important because you lose your editorial autonomy and you lose the capacity to take the kind of risk that is much easier to take when you have less to lose. That's true. When yeah. you have much more to lose, you're not going to be as, uh, as you know, uh, willing to take the risk. Hmm. So I'm saying the independents today, in my view, are in a situation where we are continually excavating, continually pushing the frontier, doing the risk-taking work. Hmm. Because that's what we are able to do. We are able to do it because, as I say, we have less to lose, even, even as we are struggling to survive. Yeah. We still have less to lose. And we are not accountable to, you know, uh, to uh, anonymous owners. Hmm. We, are, we still have that, that independence of being able to decide that even if this is not a commercially viable or if it is a commercially risky or politically risky book, we are going to do it.
2: Hmm.
0: You see what I mean? Yes, I see what you mean. Mm. In today's environment, that risk-taking is more than just an economic risk. Hmm. Hmm. Everywhere. I mean, we have, yeah. we have uh, colleagues in Turkey, in Istanbul, for example, hmm. uh, who are part of movements, who are part of the resistance to Erdogan, who have been active on the streets, have protested the imprisonment of journalists, have published about it, Hmm. which uh, 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 a mainstream uh, publisher uh, may not do. That's true. Now, that's the difference between, you know, being able to decide what you want to do and go Hmm. ahead and do it Hmm. and want to do something but uh, be uh, restrained Yes. by whomever. Uh, hmm. The finance, the marketing, the ultimate owner, the group, the conglomerate, the boss—I mean, whoever it is. Hmm.
1: But as, so, as you know, as as these, as a lot of us move towards, you know, fa- a more fascist sort of world. I mean, I don't know. Uh, so this is a very valuable sort of enterprise to keep going, but uh,
0: so it is valuable, but it's also um, it's also beleaguered. Yes, it's a very embattled space now. Hmm. But you know, hopefully there'll be there'll always be people who who want to take the risk, who have something yes. to say, who are going to go ahead and do it. And I think that that's I, I I'm not pessimistic about it. Okay. Okay. I'm just realistic. I mean, I I am certainly mm-hmm. full of optimism. After all, why did we begin? We yeah. had nothing when we started. We had one thousand rupees, and we everyone said to us in the book trade, you know. Uh, Rather, you take the risk than us. And they Mm. kept saying, but where are the writers? And then they said, and where are the readers? (laughs) You have to find the writers and then you find the readers. I mean, we are half the human race. Mm. There have to be readers and there have to be writers. But what I'm saying is you need to look for, so there will always be someone doing this. Mm. Always. Always Mm. someone publishing the, uh, you know, the uh, apparently uh, unviable stuff. Mm. or the apparently risky stuff Mm.
2: uh,
0: which is uh, which is great frankly
2: Mm.
0: I mean I think it's one of the best things about this uh, this particular uh, profession this particular Mm. business Mm. I mean nothing better than books I can tell you that (laughs) (laughs) I agree (laughs) (laughs) I mean if I have to take a risk with something I'd rather take it with books than with anything else yes yes
1: uh, again, this uh, this thing about Edition they form a uh, farm, you know, we just spoke about the French uh, yes, French feminist press, yes, you know, and how how they have an all, have all women offices like all feminist presses, which brings me to the issue of you know the the very current sort of debate about uh, you know older feminists being TERFs, you know, trans exclusionary <laughs> radical feminism, you know, talk about that. What do you
0: think about that, you know?
1: JK Rowling's gotten into a mess because of this, but
0: in my view, these are not uh, these are not real differences. If you know what I mean, these are just uh, uh, positionings. You know that you okay. you occupy a particular space. That's fair mm. enough to me. I have no problem with that. And as I was telling you uh, mm. in in, the, in during the third uh, international feminist book fair in Montreal in 1988. Hmm. There was a very big debate, uh, okay. precisely this, if you could call it turf. but of course we didn't mm-hmm. use that kind of terminology then, between yes. the radical feminists, the socialist feminists, and the liberal feminists. Okay. And the discussion hmm. there between, let's say, or the debate, or the difference between the radical feminists and the socialist feminists was, the socialist femis- feminists said, look, Not everything can be predicated on sexuality or on violence, which is what the radical feminists were saying, because they were Mm. saying, we want nothing to do with men, Mm. which is to say that alliances could not be forged across the genders, across the sexes, okay? Mm.
2: Mm.
0: Whereas the socialist feminists said, no, we have fellow travelers who are male, who Mm. believe in the cause, And Mm. our cause is larger than just the individual.
2: Mm.
0: The individual claim on body or sexuality or identity or whatever. Okay? Okay. Mm. And the liberal feminists were saying, well, you know, why can't men and women be equal now? That equality Mm. debate is a genuine debate. But what I'm saying Mm. is these were not TERFs, but but Mm. positions that we took, Mm. that, that were taken. And I think it's much the same now. Mind mm. you, that was not a generational difference. We were all uh, more or less the same. It was a cohort. It was We were all contemporaries. Mm. So there was no generational divide. So now I think mm. the trans women, the cis women, the, uh, the lesbian, the gay, the LGBTQ, etc., these are all uh, uh, shades, if you know what mm. I mean. And some prioritize one identity and the others prioritize another. Mm. But no one is a singular identity. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. The trans is not only trans. They are located in a particular context. Hmm. And that context is much, uh, much bigger than just their biological or physical entity. Hmm. Do you see? So for me, I don't see this as a, this is not a turf war, really. Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't see it as that. And as mm-hmm. to all women offices, you know, the first person we had in our office was a young man
2: mm-hmm.
0: who was always called Miss mm-hmm. Joes <laughs> because they just assumed that he was a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, among mm-hmm. our earliest authors were men. Mm-hmm. So this is a uh, 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 this is a misperception, I think. It might, of course, Defung was very much an all-women's office. Mm. Uh, Benefits is very much an all women outfit. Uh, the press mm. was all women. Uh, Virago was all women. Uh, the feminist yes. press is all women. It's not as though, but that's nothing new. Mm. I mean, you know, the book review is run by two women. Uh, Bibliom yeah. is run by women. Mm. Uh, but, uh, there's no. It's not. it's it, This is not a. Uh, it's. It's not a written in stone. No.
1: Mm. What I mean is all. You know, there's this perception now that you know tra- uh, that maybe orthodox feminism is not—it's not um, uh, is not, it's not very welcoming to trans women.
0: I don't you know? think that there is an orthodoxy in feminism, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. It's very, so talk about that. It's you know? very heterodox. Hmm. I don't think uh, there is no received wisdom. There is no single single text. There is hmm. no presiding deity. Hmm. There is no orthodox feminism, in my view. I mean, it comes in very, okay. very red feminisms in many hmm. uh, shades and in many uh, voices. It's it's what is called polyphonic. Yes, there's no single voice. So I don't think that there is an orthodox feminism that is anti anything. Hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, we there are. Lines you draw, which are your own lines. I mean, you know, we hmm. do publish cookbooks. That's not to say that we don't. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> uh, you hmm. know, it's one. I, I don't want to make these uh, these sort of um, um, how should I put it uh, unimportant distinctions.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
0: This is not a significant difference for me. And okay. as I say, I don't know which orthodox feminism is. Uh, is is you know against trans people Hmm. i really don't Hmm. i haven't come across it i mean i could be uh, i I could be ignorant of it but you know i i don't think so Hmm. so i i think these are really created uh how should i put it oppositions Hmm. they're not there really on the ground i don't see them okay I mean, there was a time, there was a time in India where the lesbian groups, when 377 had not been decriminalized, that Mm. they were closed groups by invitation only. Yes. Okay, that's very Mm. different.
2: Mm.
0: That is not an oppositional position. Mm. That is a position of safety. Yes. And as I say, you know, before 377 was decriminalized, these were very, uh, very... uh, Uh, fragile spaces
1: Mm. yeah
0: okay so uh, that's that's the way i see it Uh, i can't Mm. see it as a you know as a rigid difference or a question of orthodoxy or any such thing Uh, Mm. really i don't okay okay
1: so um yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed reading the book and I enjoyed reading, you know, uh, of how things kind of evolved or uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, grew. So yeah, it was I'm
0: a glad, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. It was fun to write, I have to say. It was, <laughs> it was fun, fun to write, was it? Yeah, <laughs> it was nice to write. It was nice to be able to, uh, to put it down, to remember, uh, to reminisce. Yeah. And it was also such a, uh, you know, it was it was such a wonderful experience. It is such a wonderful experience. So there was there was nothing there was nothing sad about it. Hmm. Certainly not.
1: Yeah, that comes across. Hmm.
0: You know. <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. So for the listeners, everybody go out and get a dress book by <laughs> Ritu Menon. <Mehdi. laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're interested in feminism, if you're interested in the history of it, and if you're interested in uh, publishing.
0: No, but also know. in the writers, the the wonderful women yes. who are in it. I mean, that's. Yes, what, of course. Look at all those great women in it, the writers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Great women writers and great an- a- anecdotes about writers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know Taslima Nasreen made such good fish curry. Yeah,
0: <laughs> wonderful. She's a great cook. <laughs> <laughs> mm, good so great okay, thank, you thank you so you. much thank you Manjula. Yeah. Okay, okay thanks bye this was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast
1: HT Smartcast